The point is, <laughs> I could go on and on with ideas. The point is to preoccupy that part of your brain that was obsessed with the empty calories of consumption and feed it some nutrients, y'all. Like mm. all of these things are free. And for the most part, all of them are available to you. If you don't replace the previous energy that you were spending on accumulating more and more stuff with another creative outlet, guess what's going to happen? You just going to go back to the stuff. Yeah. And so this ultimately becomes a creative exercise where it's just like, all right, how can I keep my brain busy? How can I kind of artificially create that dopamine rush of finding a good deal by taking something that I don't use and selling it online and getting money in exchange for it or whatever the thing is for you. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today we're talking about no spend challenges. Yes, I love a challenge. I mean, you weren't very excited about this topic, but I think it's because you're naturally pretty frugal and you're always like hyper conscious about your spending. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wasn't excited about the topic. I think I didn't understand it. <laughs> you were not enthusiastic. It. I, well, I misunderstood it. So when I first heard about no spend challenges or like no spend months, like my mind immediately goes to like like literal definition of no spend, which just seemed impossible. So then I just wrote the whole thing off and thought it was silly. But I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only person who <laughs> took did, it literally. Took it literally. He's like, what does that even mean? Like, unless you live with a, a, a parent, right, that's going to pay for everything, that you got to spend money. But I think you explained it more along the lines of like uh, dry January or some of the savings challenges that people do. And so that's when I was like, oh, okay. But even then I thought it was like, oh, well, which month is no spend month? I thought it was like <laughs> April as financial awareness month. I had no idea. Yeah. So I learned a little bit, clarified some things, and now I'm passing on uh, to anyone else who might also have been uh, quite literal <laughs> like <Yeah>. I was. <laughs> well, I think we can back the truck up and just start by sharing some stats about the state of consumer spending. Okay. Because if you've been watching the news lately, the latest headlines are showing that spending has slowed down in December, December of 2022. And that ultimately is a is a good sign, which means that, you know, inflation might be slowing down because, you know, when demand falls, presumably so do prices, and that's how we stop inflation. But it's important to note that even though spending has slowed down in December, they're talking about since August, yeah. right? <laughs> August was when spending had increased to a high of 9%, and December's increase was 7.7%, which is technically lower than August. Right. But that 7.7% is still higher than the 5% that was recorded in December of 2021. And it's way higher than the pre-pandemic 2.5% from December of 2019. Right. So long story short, it's moving in the right direction, but it's not where it's supposed to be we're yet. Look, it's not where it for, was. We're looking for the silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to make a couple more call outs because, again, it's easy to just assume that the spending increase is because of, you know, egg prices or whatever is trending in the news. But it's actually a mix of things. You know, on the bright side, the number of large purchases was down. Fifty six percent of households said they had made at least one large purchase in December, which was down from 58 percent from December 2021, so fewer people are making large purchases in December of 2022, and the share of households reporting that they had purchased a car 
had fell to 9.2%, which is the lowest level since August of 2020. So maybe people are listening to our podcast and are just slowing down. They ran out of money. But But when people were asked what the likelihood was that they would make a a large purchase over the next four months, so we're talking about the period we're in now, January to April of 2023, the likelihood to buy home appliances and electronics increased, while the likelihood to do home repairs, buy furniture, take vacations, get new cars and homes all decreased, to your point, presumably because they had already bought it (laughs) earlier in the year. uh, (laughs) I already got my new house, so now I just need appliances. New house, new car, boat, vacations, (laughs) you name it. So, yeah. No, it's a good point because one of the questions uh, that they asked respondents uh, to the survey is what they would do with an unexpected 10% increase in income. And the average person would say, uh, I think they said like they would save or invest about half of it. Then they'd use a third to pay down debt. And then they'd spend or donate the rest, roughly 18 so it's like a 50% save and invest, 30% debt pay down and 20% spend. I'd be really curious to see like what percentage of people would actually give that money away. Like, like it's, it's, it's charitable. As much as I love that, I would love to like, just talk to those people, see what's going on in their lives. But we're seeing this shift, right? And, you know, where people are presumably maxed out on their spending a little bit. And I I really think that that's what it is. Like the last couple of years have just been really weird. And I think people have like, you know what? I think I'm good. I've I've got enough stuff. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to buy. (laughs) That's it. You don't. (laughs) need another television like it's like you know what let's just sort of see where we are so maybe this is a bit of a full circle moment but if they get some windfall money people are saying that they'd save or invest half of it which is what we've been saying to do this whole time so i think it's a pretty pretty cool thing i don't know it's so I do think that's a little ironic where it's just like, yeah, if I had 10% more money unexpectedly, I'd save half of it. And it's like, that's what we've been saying. So you have to wait till now. The, the marketer in me wants to throw that entire survey away. Cause like, I think the reality <laughs> is most people are like 100% of people are not being honest about what they would do with the money. <laughs> if they got a, a, a sudden 10% windfall of a raise or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I think one of the benefits of doing a no spend challenge is that you can, artificially create a situation where you do have like an unexpected boost in income simply because you're not spending your discretionary income at the same level as you would during, let's say, a normal period. And it's something that we used to say all the time, like one of the easiest ways to get a raise is to give yourself one by paying off debt. And this is one of the ways to kickstart that process. Or if you're already in that process, take it to the next level. Okay, so let's go back to defining what a no-spin challenge is. It is exactly what it sounds like, minus the literal interpretation that Julian (laughs) was following. It's basically a deliberate choice to cut back on discretionary spending for a set amount of time. So you're still able to buy your necessities, things like gas, food, utilities. But the other categories, stuff like eating out, new clothes, manicures, going to coffee shops, all that stuff is paused during the challenge. Now, some of you might be out there saying, well, shoot, that's me every month, the week before rent is due, or, you know, that's me in them days before the direct deposit hits. And keep in mind that that's not what we're talking about. This is a challenge, and ultimately, it's a privilege. This is a voluntary exercise that you do to practice restraint and impulse control. It is not the same as pulling back out of necessity, because in this case, you actually have the money and you're choosing not to spend it, right? right? So I want to make sure that we separate that before we jump in. Now, 
For your challenge, you can pick any time or length that you want. I've seen people do a bunch of stuff. And honestly, it really just depends on your spending patterns. Some people jump into a whole month. It's the equivalent of like a financial detox and they opt for no spending for the month. And I've seen other people who don't need to do a whole month because their weeks are pretty structured. Maybe they work somewhere where lunch is provided or they don't really get out during the week because of the kids. And it's the weekends where the spending becomes problematic. So they just focus on one weekend a month. Either way, whatever timeline you choose, I would absolutely try to do it strategically, right? If it's your first go at it, don't schedule this around key holidays like your birthday or moments where it's just going to feel That's impossible. Yeah, no, see, don't be apologizing like to your boo in a couple in weeks. <laughs> because I'm Sorry, babe. <laughs> you decided to do no Smith. <laughs> Don't try to do, no, don't do no no no-spin commitments during, you know, your boo's birthday or Valentine's Day. Like, just, just don't even, unless they already agree with it, right? At the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun. So I would encourage you to look at, if you live in like a town that has a Facebook calendar or group, look at what's going on in your area. Are there any free activities that you can kind of align your spin challenge with? Maybe look at the weather. If you're prone to a bunch of online shopping, maybe schedule it over a stretch of sunshine and plan to go to some local parks. Or if you're more of an in-store kind of bargain hunter, maybe try to do it the week where it's expected to rain or snow, right? You just want to tilt the odds in your favor and collect those small wins until you can build the muscle of like impulse control. And then it won't matter what the external conditions are when you schedule this thing. Yeah, I like this. It's, it's making me think of, and I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but uh, Kate Flanders' book. Yeah. Uh, a Year of Less, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Year of Less. I think it started out as her blog where she was documenting her journey of like, it was almost like a no spend year. She just yeah. wanted to see like what happened, like how she would live and where she would sort of find solutions or, you know, sort of scratch those issues, even though she had committed to not spending any money. So that's a really quick read. If you guys are interested in that, uh, the year of less by Kate Flanders, but okay. So the next best thing you can do other than picking an ideal time is to decide where the unspent money is going to go. What are you going to do? What is the point of all of this, right? Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to go through the week of the month and then just splurge because you deserve it, right? <laughs> That's like, me. <laughs> right. I'm like, the type that ends a diet by just, like gorging on. <laughs> great. Let's go straight to the buffet and eat. Our, it's like, no, that's counterproductive. So, you know, it's, it's better to, let's say each day, you kind of take the money that you would have normally spent and move it somewhere else. So let's just using an example, let's say you are one of those people who have a $8 or $20 Starbucks habit, right? It's once in the morning and maybe it's another time in the afternoon and maybe on particularly hard days, you're going again at the end of the day. But at the end of the week, right, let's say you've decided that you're going to do a no spend, no Starbucks situation, whatever amount of money that is, let's say it's $8 a day. Now you've got $56 at the end of that week. You want to make sure that you take that $56 and you're funneling it towards, let's say, the credit card debt or your travel fund or whatever goal that you've given yourself. And this is this can obviously be a little difficult for people who may not have a daily spending habit. I do not have, or at least I don't think one. Maybe I need to (laughs) take some time to reevaluate myself. I don't believe I do, uh, but I think I'm just reacting to the fact that I don't go into an office. But, you know, even when I did, I didn't. I was not that guy. I never had it. Um, (laughs) 
my point is it can be difficult for people who don't, let's say, have that very glaring daily habit uh, to determine what non-essential spending is. And in those cases, you just sort of pick a different category. So maybe it's not Starbucks every single day. Maybe you're going to look at your statement and see just how much money you're spending in Target. Or maybe you're going to reconcile your list versus all the other things that you ended up with in the bag when you came back from Target. No, I was, I was going to say no pun intended. I was very much thinking of you. Yeah, it was very specific. Yeah. Well, Whatever. You know, you, you I mean, just because your hidden purchases are like, see, you're, the problem with your spending is that your non-essential purchases look like they just came from the grocery store. And so you'll be like, oh, I can't cut grocery shopping. And it's like, well, did nobody tell you to buy this extra thing at the grocery store? Or it'll be like an Amazon purchase. And then you can't get specific on... You just make it (laughs) which is why you can't get specific. Anyway, I think another way of looking at this, right? So we talked about, obviously, if you have a daily habit, you really want to make sure that you are replacing that daily habit with this new daily sort of habit and reallocating that money towards this positive financial goal. Uh, But if you don't have that, since we're talking about grocery shopping, I think you can look at larger categories and say, all right, I'm going to commit to not buy junk food or no charcuterie specialty cheeses and prosciutto (laughs) this month or no sweets or whatever it is. And again, the same process applies. Now $50 or $100 a week, you're going to take that money and you're going to transfer it towards something else. I think the best case scenario, the challenge that you've set out for yourself leads to forming new habits and then you end up eliminating that spend indefinitely or maybe you end up finding this new thing, this new place to go, new people even, and you have a new community that you can rely on. So that's one of the benefits of no spend challenges. And I think a bunch of different ways to uh, look at it. Yeah, I love the community aspect and just the idea of getting the family or maybe a friend involved with it as well, because it's nice to have someone to cheer you on or exchange ideas with or just to complain with. I I would say (laughs) also just an accountability partner. Yeah. But even beyond that, I think most importantly, it becomes someone you can share with. Like I'm in this group chat with two of my friends who live alone. And the other day, one was like, man, there should really be a grocery store that sells food in smaller portions for people who live alone. And I was like, or you could just find a buddy and share. And they thought it was a horrible idea. (laughs) Like in their mind, they automatically jumped to like used food or like picked over food or leftovers. But I was legit talking about sharing groceries. Like if you buy a thing of yogurt, a six pack of yogurt, you get three, I get three. Or bananas, you get two and I get two, whatever. We actually did a podcast on new versus used, but we might need to do one on the gift economy because I know so many people who are still in the dark about this way of living, sharing, and about the joys of buy nothing groups. So your no spin challenge can really just be a good time for you to explore what it's like to be in the sharing or gift economy and even join one of those groups. Perhaps something you were planning to buy will just be gifted, right? It's kind of sad, man. It's like, man, we've gotten to a point where we have to teach adults how to share and the benefits. <laughs> and that sharing. it's not a, a downgrade. Yeah. No, it's, there's nothing wrong with you if yeah. you decide to share or team up with someone. Like, everyone does not need to have their own set of everything. Right. All right. So far, we've talked about the importance of picking the right time to do your no-spend challenge, deciding where the unspent money should go, and getting, like, really detailed about things like your 
shopping habits to determine what's actually essential and how to take advantage of buy nothing groups. The other tip I'll give around no spend challenges as someone who doesn't really shop like that is to look at like digital subscriptions, because I think that's one of those really invisible ways. And I'm pretty sure we just did a podcast about that a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. But again, just because the transaction is automated or it's not like a literal thing that you see, uh, you know, in your room or as a piece of furniture, it doesn't mean that it's still not spending. Uh, so take the time, crawl through your bank statements, tally up all the, the software that you signed up for, the streaming services, look at your kids, iPad for recurring charges, check everything. And I'm, I'm willing to bet you will find something, some amount of money, something that you likely have not used that you are subscribed to and paying for that you could easily get rid of. And again, use that money to go towards some other goal. I think sometimes we forget that we can always sign back up for those things, like if you miss it. So like if you decide that, you know what, I'm going to shut this thing down, like it's okay. Like you can turn it back on (laughs) at any point. It's okay. But if you know you haven't watched it in a month, like that's kind of one of the perks of these kinds of services. So just be mindful that these are things that you can always turn back on. Or if not, you can just borrow a friend's login while you still have the chance. I know Netflix is cutting down on that kind of stuff. But I also want to acknowledge that it can be a little bit of a pain to go through the process and cancel some of these services. So you want to make sure that you're giving that unspent money a purpose, like making sure that whatever amount it is, whatever time of the month it is, you're taking that money and you're putting it towards something. I'm going to get nerdy for a second. The author of Atomic Habits um, Mm. by James Clear, he has this framework for the four stages of habits and they are one, the cue, which is the trigger, the catalyst, the thing that initiates the actual behavior. So in this case, uh, the no spend challenge is exactly that cue. It's the thing that you're doing. You're choosing to undertake a no spend month. Uh, the second thing is the craving, which is identifying a motivational force or a desire to change. So again, you're not motivated to not spend. Like very few people are motivated by that. But the desire here is to pay off the debt or to save for the trip or whatever the pot of gold is for you. So that's the craving. That's the thing that's actually driving you to conduct this uh, challenge. The third stage is the response, which is your performance of the actual habit itself. So this is you literally walking past the Starbucks and deciding not to go in. This is you, uh, let's say, choosing to order the drive up or whatever you call it at Target because you know it's a bad idea oh, if man. you go inside. Again, right? feels specific, the, but well, <laughs> the drive up function has saved me quite a bit of money. But I'm just saying these are the sort of literal things, the tactics that you have to do, the obstacles that you got to create for yourself to make sure that you're not going in there. In my case, it could be, you know what, I'm not even going to go down that aisle in the grocery store because I already know that I'm going to just be shopping for something that I don't need and tossing it in the cart. So Mm -hmm. that's the response. That's the third part. And the last stage is the reward, which is ultimately the reason why you're doing what all all of the other things. And it's really about that end goal. And so the way that he ties it all together, he says the cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting the reward and the response is about obtaining the reward. Mm. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desires, then it won't be sustainable and the new habit won't be formed. So it's a pretty interesting framework that he's put together that I think uh, helps to explain like 
how to create these new habits. And again, I, I, just thinking ahead, I think the best case scenario here would be that you've conducted this new spin challenge, you've really appreciated the reward, and it then just becomes this new habit that you yeah. have going forward. Yeah, that's really helpful as a rewards-oriented person that you can kind of attach each framework, each step of the framework to the reward, which always keeps it in the yes. forefront of your mind. Yes, all right. So the last tip that we have, and this is come super scion. Is that a thing? Super scion? I think a scion. Saigon? Sensei? Sensei? I don't, I don't know. know. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just trying to say this is Jedi Master advanced level tip for a no spend challenge. Okay. All right. So we'll just go with the mixed metaphor. This is like next level. It's levels to this. And that tip is to earn money while you're doing your no-spend challenge. Yes, that's right. Burn the candle at both ends. Save a bunch of money by not spending on non-essentials and earn some money by selling the non-essentials that you're not using, right? Mm. So you want to get back in touch with the stuff that you already have. Since you're already in this needs versus wants mindset, it's a good time to kind of go through your closet and separate your needs and the items that you just love from the items that you just want to have. You're just holding on to them for whatever reason. You don't really wear them. They're just taking up space. Yeah. And list those items on Poshmark or eBay or Facebook Marketplace. And you might be surprised that there is so much demand for an item that you were just kind of meh on, yeah. right? Like that additional feedback loop in your brain is one of those things that prevents you from buying items that you don't need or just absolutely love. Now, if you're not interested in selling your items, then maybe you just take the same time and use it to complete a free course to build a monetizable skill that you can use later on. Or maybe you finally signed up for that Roundup app that automates your savings with every swipe of your credit card. Or you can head to the library and rent a few books on a subject that you've been meaning to go deep on. Another option is to create a playlist on YouTube of videos around a person who inspires you or a topic. If you haven't canceled Netflix, you can load up a bunch of historical documentaries or nature flicks. The point is, <laughs> I could go on and on with ideas. The point is to preoccupy that part of your brain that was obsessed with the empty calories of consumption and feed it some nutrients, y'all. Like mm. all of these things are free. And for the most part, all of them are available to you. If you don't replace the previous energy that you were spending on accumulating more and more stuff with another creative outlet, guess what's going to happen? You're just going to go back to the stuff. Yeah. And so this ultimately becomes a creative exercise where it's just like, all right, how can I keep my brain busy? How can I kind of artificially create that dopamine rush of finding a good deal by taking something that I don't use and selling it online and getting money in exchange for it or whatever the thing is for you. So that is my final tip is to try to earn some money or at least a new skill while you're doing the no spend challenge. I like that because I think it really ups the ante on the reward there. Cause like you get multiple layers, you get a, an additional uh, layer of achievement because you've learned something. And yes. I think when you sell that thing, especially it, it almost feels like free money. Yes. Right? It's like, wow, money's just been sitting around. And I could see that uh, going back to my earlier point around creating new habits. I, I, my hope would be that that becomes addictive and you start to realize, you know what? I, 
I don't need to just hold on to two or three things and give it away to someone or not. Like I could Mm -hmm. actually sell it. Someone that's out there might actually want these things. And uh, that's money that you can use uh, to go towards your financial goals. I want to get brainy one more time. And I want to quote uh, some research from a professor. Uh, This is actually from a New York Times article uh, that I found. Uh, So there's something called the effort paradox. And it's a term used to describe how the brain responds to challenges. I've been going deep on the brain. Like, Yes, thank stuff, you. Thank you for uh, joining the me. The last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that I really, really enjoyed. So the effort paradox. Uh, and basically, you know, our brains are constantly conducting a cost-benefit analysis on the choices, the actions to determine whether we should try or do something. And to nobody's surprise, like easy feels good, right? And effort feels bad. Like if you're, you know, listening to this and you're undertaking some kind of diet or fitness journey, like you already know this about yourself, but like, it's not just you and it's not just culture. Like it's the human brain. Easy feels good to the brain. Effort feels bad. However, and this is where the paradox comes in, the more effort that something requires of us, the more we value it. Right. Mm. And I think this is also something that people tend to maybe slightly understand about themselves, but like just sort of reinforcing that you're not alone here. And a lot of this is sort of just who we are and and based on biology. So when we actually do that hard thing or complete that challenge, the feeling that we get from that is far greater than it is when we do easy things, or at least our brain measures it and places a significantly greater value on those things. So what makes many challenges like this, like a no-spend challenge, so effective is that I think they're just easily digestible Mm -hmm. and they're in that sweet spot where you know that there's a hard stop, like you know this is only going to be a month or a week, you know it's not a year round, and it's challenging enough to kind of keep you motivated while giving you that reward. So I just thought I would share that with you guys. And if you're thinking, like I was, like I'm just going to write the whole thing off, but then saying, yeah, but what's one week going to do? Well, one week might actually be really, really effective. And I think you might learn a lot about yourself. You will. Yeah. I was just about to add, it also shows us how resourceful we can be because it's, it's easy to catastrophize what happens if, or when, you know, there's a sudden loss of income or there was an unexpected bill. And it's like, having the practice of doing these no spin challenges helps you find money within your, your current, you know, situation. And I think that helps you not feel so helpless yeah. when things happen. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. All right. Bring us home. So mine is a little bit, since you nerded us out at the end, I will add a little shameless geek plug and say that no spin challenges are a really great opportunity to audit how technology can assist you in your financial goals. I mentioned signing up for one of those roundup apps that, you know, rounds your purchases to the next dollar and then automates your savings. But it's also a really good time to disable push notifications from certain apps that drive you to spend more money. You can delete the apps that tempt you. Again, some of those shopping apps are very, very tempting and they send you notes when the price goes down or when there's a sale. Uh, You can delete all of those things and replace them again with notifications that are helpful. Notifications from your bank or your financial app that have account balances, pending charges, reminders for your credit report, any upcoming payments. And so again, it's just training your brain on which stimulus you want to pay attention to. So that is my nerdy use this time, use that weekend or that week or that month to just kind of retweak your technology. Yeah, yeah, I love it. 
All right. My final thoughts are to just do it. I think <laughs> for most people, it, it's, it's a good shock to the system. And, and, you know, I think people can wrap their heads around that if you're thinking about food. I haven't had a good food reference in a while. But like, you know, people know that, oh, wow, I had this thing and it's like super healthy and it like flushes the system. So I think in this case, this is almost like a the beginnings of a financial flushing. <laughs> that sounds gross. I'm, so, I'm sorry, guys. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But some of us do need a financial flushing. I believe detox was the detox? word that I used. Okay, detox works. <laughs> I think one of the problems, though, with personal finance is that we, and by we, I mean, like, generally speaking, most people, we don't have, like, a supervisor or manager to give us reviews on how well we're doing. And so we have to be our own manager. We have to be our own accountability partner, our own motivator, our own coach a lot of times. And I think self-imposed challenges like this are a great mechanism that allow you to review your spending and reevaluate some things. And so, you know, we talked a lot about like annual meetings and, you know, financial advisors and all those things. But I think little challenges like this that sort of force you to lock in as a built-in reward, I think it just sort of feeds the spirit a little bit. It's a great shot at the system. And like I said, if nothing else, even if you don't hit the goal, you will learn something about yourself. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. You may not be able to spend money, but you can certainly spend some time and energy writing us a five-star rating review over on the Apple rating and review page. Thank you for listening and we will see y'all next week. 